Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast. This is the Coast to Coast podcast. It looks different. It's the same solid content sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. I am your host, Tommy Ashley, tonight. Joey Powell, the usual host and the expert host of this Coast to Coast podcast, is off in the uh, relaxing. We'll, we'll call it that. We'll call it relaxing. But we've got Sean Moran, who is on the East Coast, and we've got Sherelle McMillan, who's in the backyard on the patio again. Sherelle and Sean, how y'all doing? Doing doing well. Good, Tommy. It's been a long time since we've been on a podcast together, so happy to see you. I know it, man. It's uh, crazy. Maybe we'll we'll do more of these as time progresses, but let's get straight into it, guys. Carolina basketball, of course, is a little bit on the back burner here with Carolina football getting ready to ramp up. Of course, these podcasts have been, my podcasts have been geared towards the football, so it's a little cool to talk about the basketball end of it. And let's get straight to the offers. Uh, Boogie Flan, the latest, Sherelle. Tell me about that offer. Tell me what that means for North Carolina. Tell me what he would bring potentially um, if he were to decide to pick North Carolina. Yeah, just I think it's further confirmation, um, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, that UNC wants slash needs a lead guard in 2024. So he's the second uh, true 2024 guard or lead guard offer um, joining Elliot Cadeau, who they offered, uh, I think, during Peach Jam. Uh, Flan, yeah, man, 6'3". Uh, real skinny, kind of a stream bean kind of guy, but he is quick. He's fast up and down the court. Um, has a lot of moxie, uh, likes to hit big shots. I think it's still evolving as a lead guard. Uh, the, for his high school and really for his AU team, he has to be the primary scorer. That's his role. That's what they asked him to do. That's what they want him to do. That's what they push him to do. So his uh, facilitating and distributing Actually, the only time we've really seen that was with uh, USA Basketball um, this past summer when he won a gold medal. Actually, he won a gold medal on his birthday, I believe. So uh, he's got that going on. Um, he's got offers from pretty much every top school in the country, I think, save Duke. Uh, so it's going to be one of those recruitments that probably goes the distance and that North Carolina, if it wants to stay in, is going to have to fend off schools like Kentucky and Kansas and UCLA and some of the other top-notch programs, and of course, all the ones in the Northeast as well. Sean, looking at the offer, let me let me ask you this: as far as the type player he is, is this 
where Hubert Davis is going on his, uh, you know, recruiting tact, offering to big names, the top mm-hmm. guys, is, is that going to be Hubert Davis's way of going things and going against, uh, you know, the Kansases and Dukes and all that? Is is that what North Carolina fans can expect from here on when you've got an offer like Flan coming in with, like Sherelle says, all the major players are in it and are going to be in it? Seems like that's being the regular for North Carolina lately. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I think early for this class, you saw the focus on the two uh one being Jaron Stevenson, so in-state local, uh, the other being Cam Scott, uh, Cam Scott, South Carolina, fairly local. And then there was a long gap until really the spring-summer period. And that all started with these the top-ranked players, Ian Jackson, et cetera, um, that you're going against the, the, be- the best of the best, uh, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke for the one-and-done type players, G League, et cetera. And now you're starting to see them expand expand the list both uh in terms of some guys outside the top 25 that could be here for several years while also keeping uh you know the top 10 top 15 players in that you know in that in that range and i think we're also seeing we talked about it before the focus on the new jersey uh new york area especially with the the last two offers of fido and and boogie fland uh being being that focus so hebrews obviously you know I know he liked to prioritize that area when he was an assistant, but he's definitely continuing, continuing that. But, you know, to go back to your question, yes, I think that's going to be a consistent theme throughout the 2024 20, or 25. You can keep, keep going down, uh, mixing in with, with local, local products and, and other, other uh, guys that they think could fit their, fit their system. Uh, New York, New Jersey area has certainly been kind to North Carolina over the years. I mean, Good gracious, you could build a, a North Carolina all-star team out of guys that came out of New York. But Sherelle, as far as type of player, um, we're getting into Hubert Davis's sort of I, I guess we're this is his this is his area. This is what type of player. Is there a is there a consistent theme with the type of player? Not necessarily the person, but the type of player Hubert Davis is recruiting, whether it's guard, big, whatever. Um, that we're seeing here that's maybe a little different from North Carolina in the past, or is it all the same and it just feels a little different because it's Hubert? I do think it's a little different. Um, some of the guys who he is recruiting, um, like I said, have a little more pizzazz, a little more flair, um, a little more um, umph to their game, let's put it that way, <laughs> than maybe uh, Roy Williams would have uh, recruited in the past. So I think that's one. Um, he's definitely looking for that. He wants intensity. He always talks about unpacking your bags and all that good stuff. Um, but he wants that emotion. He wants guys who are diving on the floor and screaming and yelling. And maybe Coach Williams wanted that. He wanted emotion and he wanted you to love the game. And maybe he didn't want you to demonstrate it in a certain way. And that's just more of a generational thing. So I think there's that. Um, and then everybody on the court on a Hubert Davis team, I think he wants to be able to shoot. And I think that is a, a, a slight tweak, a slight difference um, from, you know, how it used to be in the last 15, uh, 20 years. And, and Flan, again, um, Adam Finkelstein, who's the 24-7 national uh, scouting director, called Flan one of the best shooters in the class. Um, and he's only going to get better at it because the thing is, most kids now we talk about, oh, is he going to reclass because he's in a year older. Flan is basically a year younger than everyone in this class. So he just turned 16 and he's already a junior. Um, so 
um, relative to guys who are in the class, you know, they're some of the top players. He's a full two years younger than who are also in this class. So he still has kind of the trajectory of going up because he's younger than all those guys. And it might not seem like a year makes a big difference in, uh, you know, AAU basketball and in high school basketball, but it does. You can tell a huge difference between someone who's 18 and someone who's 17 and someone who's, 17 and someone who's 16. So that's why I like Fland a lot, just because what he's going to be is, is still being determined. He just got so much growth potential um, with his frame and the way he plays. Sean, you've watched these guys over and over, and Flan certainly won a gold medal, excuse me, as USA in the 17U division. Talk about that that growth that you see from guys, uh, Flan specifically, but in general, guys that are we, – we've seen guys, and I, and I don't cover recruiting as, as much as I did way back in the day um, as you guys do, but I, I saw guys that were really good as like eighth and ninth graders and tenth graders maybe, and then that was the best they ever got. Talk about that progression that we're seeing from these guys that are uh, young and can play, but then they also they carry it forward. Whereas I could name one that played for Carolina that I thought he was better than he was in the eighth grade as he was as a freshman at Carolina. I'm not gonna say the name. I'll tell you all off air. But anyway, talk about that progression. These guys getting older, good, young, but progressing and being good by the time they get to college. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially now everybody's you start hearing about these guys your fresh freshman year eighth grade sometimes and you know ian jackson for instance i think max preps player of the year as a as a freshman but just looking at the point guard offers you have you have boogie flan um and elliot cadeau and to sherelle's point cadeau's about a year and a half older than flan and he's ranked a little bit higher now but he's probably where he's gonna where he's gonna be you know coming into college where Planned six three lanky, I think definitely has some some room to grow. Um, but yeah, to your point, there are a lot of guys that can top out pretty early, or are, maybe they're they're ranked high right off the bat. Whether they're they, they've already hit their growth spurt, um, or they're a little more advanced physically, and, and then all of a sudden, come come the end of the high school period, they're nowhere to be found. And I think you've seen it, especially over the last few years, with with COVID kind of impacting the number of events and people getting out to the events, just how drastic the rankings have, have shifted. Um, I mean, even Seth Trimble, for instance, was, was in the, you know, one, 103 or in that, in that range when he was offered. And now he's in that 20 to 25 range. Um, same with another guy, UNC offered Cam Whitmore. And now everybody's talking about him being a top 10 pick when he wasn't even a top 100 uh, about 14 months ago. So I think it's all about, Plan has being young on his side, but being able to continue to expand expand your game uh, versus being maybe dominant physically early on. Sherelle, and this is intriguing to me, and it may be ridiculous to our listeners, but we Dean Smith always talked about they get better from freshman to sophomore year. That jump is huge. What about in high school? How does that work? Because when you see guys in high school, like I'll go football related, Marion Hampton. The dude was a monster in the eighth grade, and he's remained to be a monster. But on the basketball side, where do you see the biggest growth for these guys, usually when you're covering them? I would say probably um, it's tough between the sophomore and junior and junior and senior. I think I would lean probably the sophomore to junior because a lot of guys um, 
uh, that summer, they sometimes play up 17s. That happens a good deal. And even if they don't, they're playing against the other top 16s in the country. And that's really when you start to see some differentiation between, you know, guys who are good and guys who have a chance to play at, you know, the bluest of the blue blood schools. So I, I would probably say sophomore to junior year because as a junior, it's just something about being an upperclassman. You're counting on to do more. Most of the time they're stepping into leadership roles, depending upon the program and, and the high school. Uh, so for me, I think that's that's when I've, I've seen it a lot. Um, Justin Jackson, for me, was was a big one. Um, as a sophomore, he's always been tall and lanky. But as a sophomore, tall and lanky, you weren't sure. You're like, you think he's going to be good, but you weren't sure. And then as a junior, you know, he kind of, you know, that, that summer he was really good and he carried it through. Um, his junior season and then carried it through to his senior season. But um, that that's what I would pick was that age kind of 15 turning 16, sophomore to junior, um, just something about that time that the guys mature a little bit. Sean, you agree there? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm right, right with Sherelle because you're going where, once again, a little different for everybody, but you've had two years under your belt and now you're, whether it's high school or AAU stepping into that bigger, bigger role, but you're probably a little more advanced physically and mentally to be able to, to do that and become the go-to, go-to person versus a talented player that is, uh, you know, one of, one of the starting members or, or coming off the bench. Um, so I, I think you are seeing a lot of traditionally in that, in that sophomore to junior season, but once again, sometimes I, I think there's still the players that you're seeing really, I mean, we saw it with, with TJ Power, not that he was uh, not ranked by any means, but uh, that, that junior to senior, that, that July timeframe, that was his time to shine. And, and he went from uh, Indiana UVA type offers to being offered by everybody. But I'd say for the most part it is that sophomore to junior year where you're seeing that, that jump and you're seeing who can play it at that highest highest level yeah I mean, I'm, I, I'm gonna jump in like an example of an offer player for me is jaron stevenson i remember last summer watching because we weren't still salty but there was a whole situation why we weren't able to go to <laughs> uh but uh i remember watching the live feeds of of him playing 15 you you're like yeah he, he can be good but you know he was still very physically immature still needed to grow still needed to get stronger and then you see him this summer and you see him at the MVPA camp, you see him with Team United 16, and he just looks bigger, stronger, you know, just more more sure of himself, more confident. Um, so that's an example right off the bat. Just already you're seeing that sophomore to junior progression with him um, because what he is now is much different than he was, not even last summer, but even January. He's just a different guy. And I think a lot of that is his mindset, uh, to Sean's point, stepping into new roles, um, your confidence is built up because you're you're kind of going to be the guy now the rest of your time in high school. So I think that's a big part of it. It's an interesting take. Uh, you know, I always said if you can get guys through the 14, 15-year-old time frame and they keep progressing, then they can be really good in whatever sport because, I mean, they're still teenagers and they're still dealing with everything that the teenage mind, especially the teenage boy mind, goes through. Um, interesting take there. I appreciate y'all's comments on that. You're listening to Coast to Coast Podcast. I'm Tommy Ashley, hosting for Joey Powell, Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan. Let's talk a little bit about um, visits. Sherelle, once upon a time, if you got them on campus, you had a chance. 
Um, we've seen North Carolina have success with that and not have success with that lately. But tell us about the most recent uh, visit news and how important that is in the recruitment of these two guys. Before that, did, did you watch the UNC football uh, scrimmage highlights? You were talking about Amari Hampton. I have. Good Lord, man. I've seen him <laughs> since he was in eighth grade. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know how good he'll be at college, um, but physically – he is n- ridiculous. It is not yeah. fair. That was like the best 50 seconds of, of the year. So, far. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So like to your point, um, really with North Carolina, it, it's, it's an industry thing. Everyone knows it, that if Carolina can get guys on campus, um, there's just something about Chapel Hill um, that attracts people. Armando Baycott has a, a tweet about it. And it's, it's funny, but it was actually true. It's basically like, if you don't want to come into Carolina, don't visit because you will. And that happens a lot where guys just get there and fall in love. I think a lot of our listeners and subscribers can relate to that because it, it happens to them. Um, but uh, juniors now can take official visits starting on August 1st. And that is a bit of a game changer. Um, it's been like that since 2019, I believe, that Zaire Williams, Kate Cunningham class was the first one where you could do that. And North Carolina's already got two juniors locked in to official visits. Drake Powell, um, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast, from Pittsburgh, is taking one um, August 23rd and 24th. And then the godfather of soul himself, James Brown, will be in Chapel Hill. I know people are going to hate all the James Brown puns. Like, they hate him already, but it's just going to keep going. Yeah, you got to um, keep it up. You can't yeah, hate he'll, be, he'll be on campus uh, the weekend of October 15th. So those are the two confirmed. Um, definitely know that other players in 2024 are working on dates, um, as well as players in 2023. Uh, Zayden High, who is a power forward from Texas, we know he's talking to the UNC staff about a potential visit, trying to set something up. Uh, Jaron Stevenson, obviously, is an offered player, thinking about setting something up. Same thing with Cam Scott. Um, so there's there's a lot of weekends, and guys have these extra visits to use, and it, it wouldn't hurt for North Carolina to get as many of them on campus as possible because um, the local guys can always take the unofficial visits. So you start piling those on and then next August it resets for these 2024 kids. And if they're not committed, they can come back and visit again. Uh, So a lot of schools are taking advantage by getting guys in early on these uh, junior year officials. Sean, do you feel as good about James Brown's visit? Um, getting a guy like James Brown on campus or anybody on campus as Sherelle McMillan does, keeping in the James Brown uh, <laughs> punt. Um, so I, I think for the rising juniors, uh, it, it might there might be different situations where they're just trying to get their visits. So in terms of uh, expecting a commitment um, versus, you know, two years ago when, when everybody was visiting in June from Seth Trimble to – you go down the list and it was really kind of rapid fire. Uh, I think the importance is there, but for the out of state prospects, I wouldn't expect uh, an immediate commitment, even if they do love the visit. Uh, James Brown being from the Chicago area, I'm sure will be um, making sure he gets a lot of the big 10 football weekends up, up there and, and some other schools. But to that point of getting him to Chapel Hill, especially with all that competition, is huge uh, and it shows the interest, the mutual mutual interest. And then you have Drake Powell, a local player, maybe more likely to commit just given the local local proximity than, than somebody from out of state. But uh, I think if you're getting the, the juniors rising seniors on campus, then 
you should be looking for quick commitments afterwards to see who's who's you know obviously really interested but i think the rising juniors it'll play out a little bit longer but once again still good to get them on campus as Sherelle said the question was hey we've been hearing this guy's interested or he has an offer but if they never come to visit then most likely you don't really need to focus on them uh going forward even if they do have an offer so James Brown and, and Powell, I think, are also two guys that they can help potentially supplement a strong class where it allows you to reach out to those top 10, 15 uh, type guys because those are, you know, those are the guys that might be there or, or might be in Chapel Hill for a few years. Um, so I think having those, those building blocks can help, help you get a potential one-and-done type candidate uh, where it's a little less risky than you're putting all your eggs in that top 10, 15, 15 type player. Sherelle, has the visit deal changed in Chapel Hill with Hubert Davis? I mean, is a different, or is the quote unquote official visit? How has it changed if it has at all under Hubert versus the way it was under Roy? That's if you know, good. that is a good, that's a very good question. Um, I don't think it's changed a ton. Uh, I think it's more really honestly doubling down on what Carolina is, you know, what they feel it stands for, why they love it. It is, um, you know, uh, I, I guess um, infused with a little more um, updates, a little more progressive than it used to be. Um, but I, I think the, the core tenet of it is exactly the same, is that this place is special and look at the bench and all of these guys played here or coached here or played and coached here. Um, at some point over the last 20 or 30 years. And why are they back here? Because they love it and because they want it to be great and because they want to see other people experience what they did. I mean, that is the North Carolina pitch. It's not even a pitch. That's the thing it is, um, yeah, If for those on YouTube being attacked by a, a wild bug of some sort. Um, but that's their pitch. It, it, it's just like, look, you know, this is UNC. I, we shouldn't have to beg you to come here because it's special and you should want to be here. And I think that hasn't changed, but everything else, you know, there's still the photo shoots and you'd still go on campus and talk to the people who are in the department that you're thinking about majoring in. You meet with a nutritionist, you meet with, um, depending on who it is, you might meet with Bubba or you might meet with Mac Brown or, you know, another coach. Um, you tour the museum, you tour campus, you hang out with the players, you watch practice. All that stuff is still pretty much the same, but I do think, Hubert Davis and his staff have put a little more of their stamp on it. But again, the, the core tenant, you know, the basics are exactly the same. That's an interesting take. I mean, you got to update it, right? It's still, uh, I go back to Carolina, it's still Carolina, same as Carolina it was in 89 to 93, but it's updated. And, yeah. And it's, yeah. It's cool to see. It's like a, reno, it's like a, just a, a little renovation. That, that's what it's like. <laughs> exactly. but, you know, they, they put in some, some new flooring and some, marble countertops and everything looks better you know that's <laughs> the fixtures are, are nicer but it's still the same you know oh well's got the same water it's right. all the same stuff good stuff Sherelle mcmillan sean around this is the coast to coast podcast i'm your host tommy ash going to talk a little second about johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com i thought about asking sherelle to do this read uh but sherelle if you're watching on youtube's dealing with the locust infection or locust uh <laughs> coming around uh, I love it, man. I wish I could be on my back porch, but we've got bats. So we don't have bugs, but we have bats. So we can't do that. But Johnny T-shirt's got everything you need. Probably got some bat repellent, but they do have John, they do have swag. Uh, it's football season. They've got a ton of gear 
um, for football season, tailgating, anything you possibly need. And of course, they got all the jerseys you could possibly want for every sport at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. On East Franklin Street, go visit them. I will check them out when I move my child back into Granville Towers on Thursday for his sophomore season. I will go, or his sophomore year, I will go there and get my 10% Inside Carolina discount. You best believe it. And if you're a premium subscriber, you can get the same at Johnny T-Shirt. Let national guys pay the bills. We'll be right back coast to coast. Going to talk a little current basketball with Sherelle and Sean. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is the Coast to Coast podcast. Tommy Ashley. And it, I don't feel like I have the same voice as Joey. You know, Joey's <laughs> got this like dulcet tones and all that. I've just got the, the country-fied tones. But Sean, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, Carolina basketball. And this is something I always like to talk to you guys about. And I still, it's tough to wrap my head around it. In February, they were barely making the tournament, and now here we are in August and they're preseason number one. It's the same guys, except for Pete Nance. Um, how has that happened in your mind? I mean, is it simply getting hot for an April or March-April run, or is some transformation happened with these guys uh, that, that maybe we're not fully grasping um, – that that's caused it I, you know part of me says it's just the hype of the run the other part of me says something's changed where are you on that oh i mean i think uh to what sherelle was saying from september through february was that this team puts it together from a talent perspective they're they're a top 10 top 10 talent and they did they they finally put it together and and you started having the the five-star guards play together and and everybody was clicking. I mean, I think there's a, a few pieces. I'm going to go back to Brady Manick, I think being the, the key piece that started everything just with how he played in the ball movement and everybody starting to buy in after that and, and move the ball, hit, hit shots, kind of live up to their potential. And then you had Leahy Black who flipped the switch uh, starting with that Virginia Tech home game. Um, but I think in, in – I know I've seen, I saw it early, you know, hey, UNC is just the UCLA of last year in terms of making that run, getting the high ranking, but maybe they're 
they're not nearly as good as that expected ranking is. Um, you know, UCLA was, I'd say in large part, Mick Cronin, who helped them get to the get to the final four and almost upset Gonzaga with how he controlled those games versus, I mean, UNC, Marquette, and I'll say, I mean, Baylor until, until Manning got thrown out, but they just absolutely dominated and, you know, cut a team out where I think in a lot of times before you could see them get a lead and then give it up and, and lose the game, but they got a lead and they, they built a lead. I think the Baylor situation was obviously a little different to give that up. Um, even St. Peter's, they put them away, away early. Uh, so I think this team has, has it, uh, they're all coming back. The guys that could come back, because that was another scary thing of, hey, what happens if they don't, don't make the tournament and you have a lot of departures? Um, who's going to, you know, then you're relying on the freshmen to, to come in. But once again, it's a different type of pressure that they have of being that top team or top, you know, top five team. If they have a, a loss early on or two losses early on, and now everybody, now there's a kind of a different type of pressure. So I think the question is, can they, almost block that out and still, um, you know, still move the ball, still play together as a team, all while incorporating a few new guys into the roster. So definitely looking forward to it. And, and I, I think the fact that we're talking about this is amazing because I know we were all worried about what was going to happen last year and, and how the future was, was going to look. And, and now we're talking about Carolina as a top, top team, which we haven't done in a few years. Yeah. I think that Mark Twain, you know, Mark Twain quote spot on here, Sherelle, and I feel like we've used it for a couple times or two or three years now. Carolina, Sean mentioned a word that I think is important. They had it, and they certainly got it during late in the season. But is it enough to make this team as good as we think they can be? And is it enough to carry them? You know, everybody's talking about national championship or bust. I think that's a little ridiculous. Um, but you know, these players, well, okay. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to let Sherelle uh, explain his uh, facial expressions. When I say national championship on, or bust is a little much. Where are you, Sherelle? You're muted again. Come on, man. I want to hear the crickets. Anytime you start talking about national championship, <laughs> you know, there obviously has to be some breaks. So that, that shouldn't be the expectation moving in. But I, I think, I think anything less than a final four for this team, barring injury, would be a disappointment. This team was an eight seed. Yeah, they were an eight seed. But, um, you know, if you look at the numbers, like Bartovic and Ken Palm and all those advanced stuff, it was a top three team in the country from February 15th on. And that's not a small sample size. That's, you know, basically, basically two months, I think like 17 games. So for half of the season, they were one of the three best teams in the country from the numbers. That's not – anecdotal not how we feel not what we think just pure raw data so there's that so that that differentiates differentiates them a little bit from ucla but then you add in the fact that experience is what wins in college basketball now as much as people don't want to hear that or get tired of hearing that it's what wins um guys who have been there guys who are talented um they typically win in march and north carolina is going to have the most experienced team I think uh, before Greg leaves, I'm going to have him check the numbers. I think this is going to be the most experienced team in Carolina history, the most experienced starting five by far in Carolina history. Um, well, I'll say modern history <clears throat> because you're going to have a two, three-year junior starting in the backcourt. You're going to have a fifth-year senior who started 
basically four straight seasons uh, on the wing, more than likely a fifth year uh, transfer who has started his most of his career, and then a fourth year center who is going to be preseason all, first team All American, preseason ACC Player of the Year, and a chance at preseason National Player of the Year. So, talent wise, there is absolutely no excuse, no reason to think that this isn't, you know, the best team or one of the four or five best teams in the country. I think the only thing that can inhibit them from reaching their goals is um, if they don't get anything from their bench. And I think, you know, we saw Puff Johnson, what he did in national championship game. You can build on that. Um, Players build on big performances in March and can carry it over to the next season. So I think all those factors together um, make this a little different from a team like UCLA because UCLA lost guys, they also didn't have an infusion of talent like North Carolina had. So if you talk about newcomers, they have Pete Nance, they have Seth Trimble, who are you know, more than likely going to be two big, big pieces on next year's team. And UCLA didn't have that kind of infusion of talent last year. So I, I think that's a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I, for all those reasons, um, you know, a 17, 18-game sample size of them being one of the best teams in the country, wh- why can't they carry it over? into this season and, and be what they were in February and March and April, beginning in November. So Sean, who makes the biggest jump on this team? <laughs> and it can be anybody. It can be Baycott. It can be down to Justin McCoy. Who you think, what player comes out, um, you know, whenever they roll out November 6th, or whenever it is that has made the biggest jump um, that, propels them to do what uh, Sherelle's predicting. Ooh, that's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> predict anything. I just said it, they should make, oh. Barring injury, they should make the final four. That's all I said. Be- before, well, this will give me some time to think, but um, I mean, also in terms of just how you need the, the tournament matchups to to come out and what happens over those, those few weeks, I think, you know, this year, everybody felt fairly good in terms of the, the one seed that they're matched up with as well as uh, Marquette versus a Wisconsin last year, a different style that was not ideal to, to UNC's playing. UCLA, a team that was beatable. And then in my mind, I was always worried about Kentucky or Purdue, who was going to be in that one. And you didn't have to play either either one of them to get there. So once again, a lot of it is based on matchups and, and slotting and seeding. But I'd say from a starter perspective, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go from the, from the guards, both Caleb and, and RJ, I think they all showed at times what, what they're capable of, of playing at and really started to figure out how well they can play together. But, um, you know, they're going to need to continue to do that and to continue to grow. Uh, you know, we saw them both struggle in the championship game and at different, different times. So we, we saw the highs, but it's easy to kind of forget the, the lows that we saw in that March, March run. And then, uh, you know, in terms of, of other players, probably probably taking the easy easy route easy option on this. But I'm going to go Puff Johnson because I think he probably could have slotted in as a potential starter if if uh, Pete Nance wasn't coming in. And I think really last year was his his freshman year for the most part in terms of uh, really getting experience. And we saw the jump that that RJ and Caleb made with a year under their belt. And I think we can definitely see see that from puff um you know shooting wise i know his percentages i think i think that'll that was more of a mirage so i'm expecting him to shoot in the high 30s from from three and 
then you go from a defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding ability. Um, I think he's gonna gonna add a lot. So those are the guys that I would expect to make another make their first jump or another jump in the case of RJ and Caleb. Sherell, when we've done a lot of these podcasts over the years and we talked about how people are what they are by the time they have three and four years in, and we've been proven wrong over and over and over. Um, so especially in the last few years with Kennedy Meeks, Bryce Johnson, um, even Baycott to a certain extent, but, uh, you know, who's, who's your guy that you're watching? We're August first week in August, second week of August, uh, season doesn't start for another two months or three months. Who makes that jump that pushes this team over the edge? Cause again, this team was an eight seed and not very good, at least as a team and what they showed until they got it together there. Um, numbers say what they say. Um, what happens from now until November 6th that puts this team over the edge as far as player specific? Yeah, for the third year in a row, I'm going to go with Caleb Love uh, because, <laughs> uh, you know, his first year was not good, and he'll be the first one to tell you that. But he had moments. You know, he had those two Duke games where you're like, man, this, this is an NBA player. And then last year, there were moments where it was kind of Caleb being Caleb, where it was like, one game it was three for a 19 and the next game it was, it was 10 for 15 and he's got 30 points and he's put the team on his shoulder and hit big shot after big shot after big shot. So I think just a level of consistency for him will elevate the team. Uh, Greg has this stat somewhere, but the layups that he hit against UCLA in the second half and then against Duke were basically more, more hit more points in the paint in those like 60 minutes than he had the previous like 15 games or something, some crazy stat like that. So I think he learned that, Hey, I, I can get into the lane sometimes and I can finish at the rim sometimes. And, and when I can, I need, I need to get better at that because I'm an 89, 90% free throw shooter. So if I'm able to do that, then I can get to the free throw line and get some easy points and now I'll get my three point shot going. So I look for efficiency for him, um, you know, shooting better, inside three-point line I mean he was 38 percent from inside the three-point line which is just it's not good I mean just to be frank but he was really good for a lot of this season from beyond a three-point line so if you can just kind of meet in the middle of those two have that keep that three-point percentage around what it is and have that um, field goal percentage and effective field goal percentage go up this next season I think that'll help North Carolina a ton it'll take a lot of pressure off of everyone and it'll make the offense you know that much more potent yeah, I mean, he he was fantastic against Duke in the Final Four, and then we won't talk about the championship game. But that, that those two days are your point. I mean, and, just unbelievable. To be fair, to be fair, they uh, you know they won't say this you know publicly or anything. But those guys, a lot of those guys were dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of mileage and a lot of stuff. So especially, I I, I hate to say you give someone a pass in a national championship game. But I, I get it. You know, that national semifinal was the most emotional national semifinal maybe in history, maybe. Mm -hmm. And to go through that and then 24 or 48 hours later have to play, you know, what turned out to be the best team in the country with the way they play defense. You know, he turned his ankle early in the game. So I, I kind of understand that one a little bit. But your point is well taken in that it just needs to be a, a level of consistency that, that wasn't there last year or especially yeah, those guys were gas. Go ahead, Sean. Uh, well, in, in terms of Caleb, I think we all remember those little the floaters he was hitting in in the Duke game, which 
you know, just was showing how confident and, and how he was feeling in that game. But you also knew, hey, you're probably going to see some of that against Kansas. And and those definitely weren't, you know, look more like the traditional how, how they were during the season and, and were not falling. So hopefully for him, he can kind of understand what he needs to do to to get his shots to fall. If it is getting to the basket, getting to the line where he's a remarkable free throw shooter or if he's able to improve um, some of those shots in the paint. But one other guy, uh, as Sherell was talking, and I don't know if it's a the jump that is needed to be made, because I think there already was a pretty significant jump, but in terms of a guy that needs to still show improvement is, is Leaky Black uh, from an offensive perspective, because you saw it in, as the tournament kept going and going. Teams were, were really... I mean, similar to what they did in the regular season, but even to more of an effect of using his man as a safety and whether it was looking to bother Baycott or, or looking to, to clog the paint, that was that was an issue. And he did hit some shots to, to make them respect him, but there are also times where it's like, you know, they're just leaving him, him wide open. And without without Manic, um, you know, I, without his ability to, to shoot from that, from that four position, I think he still should needs to show an improvement offensively where he's respected more and you can't just completely play off of him. And I think, you know, he, he did show growth, especially, you know, shooting the three catch and shoot kind of eliminating some of those tough pull up jump shots from just inside the arc and attacking a lot stronger to the basket. And I think if he's able to do that, I mean, <laughs> probably we were never sent mentioning leaky black and NBA in the same, the same sentence prior to, but just given his size and what he can do defensively. I mean, I, I think that could also give, give him a tremendous boost, um, you know, the next year in terms of what, what his ceiling looks like and where he can go, if he can show that improvement. I agree with that. If he shoots 35, 40% from three and shoots a lot of them, I mean, this Carolina team, I, I'm not uh, seeing too many losses. Sherelle. Not going to go that far, but uh, hey, I'll, we I'll might as well it. just go. We just, you know, <laughs> we just take it all the way. We get all. I'm I'm 12 and 0, right, Sean? You forget. I picked Carolina football 12 and 0. I might have Carolina basketball close to that this coming up. Get get loose in August. Uh, look, let's close this show. It's been the Coast Coast Podcast, Sherelle and Sean. Sherelle, give me what's next for Carolina basketball on the recruiting side of it. What what are we looking for? in literally the dog days of August. Yeah, I think the most pressing is uh, TJ Power, who we, we haven't mentioned in this podcast. Um, I, I would say he's the, the top target in uh, the senior class for UNC. He was offered about three days before they had the decommitment. Uh, and then Zayden High was offered about two days before they had the decommitment. And Power was just phenomenal um, most of July and then down at Beach Jam. I mean, everybody came back and he was one of the four or five players that folks were raving about. I mean, he's, he's going to jump from, I think he's in the seventies and eighties in, in most rankings. He's going to jump into the top 30. I think that's pretty clear at this point for, for most people. And if he's not there, he'll, he'll be right around that. I mean, I, I would say 35 at the worst. So that is the kind of player who's kind of right in that UNC wheelhouse that uh, they have done very well with in the past that, has a lot of talent and has a lot of skills that might have a couple of deficiencies that keeps them in college for, you know, a year, two or three years. So um, basically what is he going to do? Is he going to um, take more visits? So he, he crammed in 
uh, it was very clever by Power and then by UNC and Duke because you can't take unofficial visits in July. What he did, uh, he has family in the Raleigh area. So he has senior year, uh, ju- excuse me, he had senior junior year official visits left and the deadline is uh, July 30th that you had to use them by. So he snuck them in the week before um, just one day official visits to both Duke and UNC. And since then he's kind of shut down his recruitment. Like hasn't spoken to anybody on the record, um, hasn't announced any lists or visits or anything like that. But we think that pretty soon in the next week or so, there should be some movement there, whether it is, you know, announcing a cut list or, announcing uh another round of, of official visits um but that's that's kind of what we're watching most immediately as well as if zayden high comes to um an official visit day so those two things and then uh are there going to be more offers in 2024 because they watched a lot of guys in july um is this it is are they going to wait until they go back out on the road in september so kind of those things and then of course the junior year official visits that are scheduled and those that are, have yet to be scheduled Sean, you got anything left for us? No, I think uh, Sherelle covered it, uh, covered really everything there. I mean, I think the main thing is just who, who's next from the 2024 class. Uh, they've kind of gone in different, different waves of, uh, you know, early on with, with Stevenson and then, and then Scott. And then right after the June 15th, when they could start talking to, the, to that class and then uh, a little bit sprinkled in during the, the live periods. But from that class, I think it was just the two two point guards that they offered coming out of that. So I definitely see uh, maybe a few more coming down the, down the pipeline before they can start going back in and watching some of the um, players uh, while they're, while they're in high school. So I think that's probably the main, main point of who else do they offer now that they really have offers throughout all the different positions where they go from here. And then who do they start trying to turn the pressure up on to get, to get commitments. Numbers wise, before we get out of here, number number wise, what what is Carolina looking for, Sherelle, in, in the twenty three class, and, and you know twenty four is kind of kind of up in the air. But where's Hubert's mindset here? I think in twenty three from the high school class, they're looking for one more, which is the spot from the decommitment that that four spot, um, which is why they they offered high in, in power. Um, if high in power, they strike out with them. I, I would be surprised if they went for another high school player from there and just kind of went and saw what was in the portal um, when it opens, you know, in the spring. Uh, as far as 2024, uh, I think at least four. I, I had said, you know, I didn't think they would do five, but you start looking at the roster and looking at the potential for who might leave and, and all that good stuff. And I, I could see them taking a four or a five-man class in 2024 just because of the needs they'll have and because you're not quite sure who's still going to be around. And because a lot of the players that you have already who could be around are very versatile and you can kind of move them around to fit your roster. So I, I could definitely see a, a four or five man class, a, a lead guard, um, a, a wing guard or wing forward, depending on who it is. I think another wing forward and then um, at least one kind of uh, forward slash center. Um, probably uh, you probably could see honestly one of every position but it just depends on which player and that impacts what other position they get so for example if you if they were to get a commitment from someone like cam scott i think he's a sufficient enough ball handler and facilitator that maybe um you don't need necessarily another you know kind of guy like him another two guard slash three maybe you just have a true wing 
in a true four. But if you get uh, a wing who maybe isn't a great ball handler but is a good scorer, then you have to have your lead guard, and then maybe you try to sign a wing forward who might have some ball handling skills. So it, it's just piecing together based upon the player's attributes, I think. Um, but you can kind of see who they have at the top of their board based upon when they offer it and who they watched and, and all that good stuff in July. Sean, does the portal remain such a big deal as years go by, or does it ease off? No, I, I think it uh, – that's a good question. I think it stays stays a focus, especially if you're looking for one specific specific thing. Um, I mean, this year is really that one one position. So I think it'll stay a focus in a – in a small, small way, but I think that's, that's not going away anytime soon. And especially if you're trying to get experience quickly, um, I, I think that's, that's the way, way to go. Uh, so I, I think going forward, look, if they miss out on power and high, then we can be sure that that's going to probably, probably be the position of, of focus, uh, going forward in the portal. It also gives you a little more flexibility of seeing what you actually need versus recruiting for, a potential team you're not really sure is going to going to be there or how it's going to look down the road. Indeed. Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan, I'm Tommy Ashley. This has been the Coast to Coast Podcast. Guys, it's always fun. I'm not Joey Powell, but I hope I stood <laughs> in well enough while he's off gallivanting in <laughs> faraway lands. It's been the Coast to Coast Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Check them out. Visit them. Take care of them. They take care of us. Peace, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.